This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, faithful? You are listening to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. I'm Brian Rennick. He's Al Sacco. And the 49ers went into the link and absolutely curb stomped the Philadelphia Eagles to the tune of 42 to 19. It is victory Monday. More than that, it is our Brockiversary. It is 365 days to the day that Brock Purdy came in against the Dolphins last year and led that team to a victory and then didn't lose again until he literally had his elbow ligament shredded in Philadelphia. Al, that game, and then my time on Twitter afterwards was everything that I could have hoped and dreamed of. Uh, How was it for you? It was awesome, man. You know, that first quarter, they get completely dominated. Completely dominated. Six plays, was it negative two yards or whatever it was? Negative six yards. Negative six yards, and... They look like they're getting their asses kicked in the trenches, and you're just like, this can't be happening. And then for the team, the entire team, to flip a switch the way that they did, man-to-man on that team, it seemed like every single guy, as soon as for whatever reason the second quarter hit, it was just all systems go at every single level. Defensive line was all over Jalen Hurts. Linebackers are flying around. Coverage, how many times did Hurts just stand there? Stand there with nowhere to go with the ball. Offensive line settled in. The skill position players, come on. Come on. How are you going to stop those four guys? (laughs) You can't. You can't. It was was unbelievable. They all contributed. Even Juwan Jennings made plays yesterday. And then Brock Purdy, who, again, I feel like every show I'm gushing about him, but I know we both have a lot to say about him, a 23-year-old, who just, again, just calm. We had the worst first quarter ever. Okay. I'm calm. Yeah, but they just kicked Fat Dom out, or whatever the hell that guy's name is, Big Dom, and the link is like going. Whatever it's called now, Fat Dom. And look, I respect fat Italian guys who wear their chains outside of their shirts. I wore my chain outside of my shirt. I grew up very Italian for longer than I want to admit. But Dom, you have no business touching players. So no. you know the 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 stadium's going crazy. They kick this guy out, and Purdy just trots out there with the offense business like right down the field. You got to love it. 
from person to person, from player to player, from coach to coach, the Niners came out and just made an absolute statement, statement in week 13 of the NFL. Oh, yeah. And there's no other way to put it than they put their stamp on this 2023 season as the team to beat, not just in the NFC, uh, but in the NFL. I will stand on that all 10 toes. I, I mean, I don't know who else you could point to. And that's the thing is, you know, our, our big concern going into this game, and or at least I know it was mine, and, and you expressed concerns as well, was obviously that that Philadelphia defensive line against the mm-hmm. 49ers offensive line. And through the first quarter, I was I was sick to my stomach. I, you know, I, I even tweeted out, I was like, this offensive line is getting embarrassed. And they were. And then, like you said, they just flipped a switch. And and I don't know if it was, you know, I think. I think to hold Philadelphia to two field goals after they marched down the field twice was was quite possibly the biggest turning point in that game because if if those are touchdowns and this team is down 14 to nothing, I don't know that the game goes the same way. But 100%. You go you go into the second quarter and you're like, "Listen, we're down 6. It's a like a one-score game, quite literally." Uh, if we score a touchdown and kick an extra point, we take the lead. And I think, I think Brock Purdy just has a calming presence, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but to the team as a whole. But even more importantly than that, I think Brock Purdy has a calming presence to Kyle Shanahan. You know, mm-hmm. I think Kyle Shanahan in years past, and and again, this is, I say this just as a fan of the team and and I'm not, I don't bring up old players to shit on them or anything like that. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback in that game, that game doesn't go the way that it does because I don't believe that Kyle Shanahan had the faith in in Jimmy Garoppolo that he that he displays in Brock Purdy. And let's be perfectly honest and and let's get into it. Kyle Shanahan has every reason to have tons of faith in Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy is at 23 years old coming off of a UCL tear that was repaired in the offseason. Brock Purdy is putting together an MVP season. And if you don't think that Brock Purdy is putting together an MVP season, you need to go argue with a wall because here are the facts and let's just lay them out because I know that you've got, you've got some, you've got some things to say to those that continue to uh, kind of throw shade or, or poo poo what this kid is doing. But uh, here is the MVP case. Again, you go into Philadelphia against Jalen Hurts, who at that point was the presumed MVP frontrunner. Brock Purdy had 148.8 rating against Philadelphia on Sunday. Jalen Hurts has never had a rating that high in his career, and that was uh, care of uh, John Chapman, friend of the show, uh, 49ers Rush podcast. Not only that, but Brock Purdy, through 12 games, has the highest yards per attempt with a minimum of 300 attempts in NFL history. Brock Purdy currently, after week 13, is averaging 9.59 yards per attempt, which is a full yard more than number two. That is the best in NFL history through through 12 games. Number two, 2011 Aaron Rodgers, 9.42 yards. Number three, 2004 Peyton Manning, 9.41 yards. Number four, 1988 Boomer Esiason, 
9.37 yards per attempt. Number five, 1984, Dan Marino, 9.31 yards per attempt. Al, do you know what those four uh, performances have in common? MVP. They all won the MVP that season. MVP. All of them. All of them. Kyle Posey posted this on Twitter earlier today, and I loved it. If your argument against Brock Purdy and 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 the MVP debate is that Purdy pads his stats with yards after the catch, what you need to understand is that this season in 2023, 48.5% of Purdy's passing yards have come after the catch. If you look at the average yak for the last 10 MVP quarterbacks, it's 48%. It's exactly where Brock Purdy is. In fact, Mahomes, who won the MVP last year, 54% of his yards came from after the catch. So again, that's from Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. If your argument is that Purdy is just throwing short passes and and the playmakers are doing everything else, goes out the window. That is not Mm -hmm. true at all. Purdy currently leads the NFL in the following quarterback metrics. Passer rating, 116.1. Number two is Dak at 108.3. Yards per attempt, which we just talked about, 9.6. Number two is Tua at 8.6. Yards per pass completion, 13.7. Number two is Stroud at 13.4. The top four are Purdy, Stroud, Tua, and Stafford. What do all those guys have in common? They run some version of the Shanahan system. That's pretty awesome. Adjusted yards per attempt, which is a metric that measures the average yardage of a QB's passing attempts while also accounting for touchdowns and interceptions. So it places weight, positive and negative, on on those plays. So average yards or adjusted yards per attempt is, is, is kind of a more impactful metric than yards per attempt, which we just said he leads at 9.6. He's at 10.17. Number two is CJ Stroud at 8.89. Net yards per attempt, he leads at 8.6. Number two is two at 8.03. Adjusted net yards per attempt, which is the same thing as uh, air yards per attempt, except for it also takes into account sacks. He leads at 9.14. Number two is two at 8.11. His completion percentage, he leads the NFL at 70.2. Number two are Dak and Tua. They're tied at 70.1. So again, not a commanding lead, but still leading. Uh, touchdown percentage, he's at 6.9. Dak is number two at 6.3. And QBR, Dak and Purdy are both tied at one at 75.6. Stop with this nonsense that Brock Purdy is not and should not be a legitimate MVP candidate because that has nothing to do with reality. No, when you... I saw today that the MVP odds are now Purdy, Prescott, and Hertz are all plus 350. Like, they're the leaders. And if you just covered up his name and you read what you read to anybody who's rational, be like, hell yeah, that guy's in the MVP conversation. And I got pissed off last night because I think most people who understand what they're looking at respect Purdy and are giving him credit. You know, you're Kurt Warner's yeah. of the world, the guys who played the game, the guys who know what they're doing. But I saw a tweet, and I, I don't know what he meant by it. I don't know a lot about him. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but it was that Ben Solak guy who's one of those ringer mm-hmm. guys who seem like they, you know, that sort of there's that group of people coming up who kind of feel like they think they're the smartest guy in the room, even though they never probably played football ever or certainly not in the NFL. But he said after the game, oh, uh, 
let the there's going to be Brock Purdy discourse for MVP, or it just came across really snarky. Be prepared, yeah. Be prepared, something like that. And I'm just yeah. thinking to myself, all right, Brock Purdy yesterday, he is 23 years old, second year quarterback who just had a disaster of a first quarter on the road, started 0 for 4 with zero yards after one quarter. On the other side of the ball, Philly's going up and down the field. The Niners defense, though, like you mentioned, to their credit, they kept them at 6 nothing. They, they kept them in the game. But still, you're on the road. It's a huge game. Everything is going wrong. And I know he's got a great team around him. I know he has great players around him. So, 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 did, so did Joe Montana. So did Peyton Manning. Yeah. So, so did Tom Brady. These guys have great players around them. But for any QB in that situation, any quarterback, especially a young one, to be unfazed, to not get rattled, to bounce back like nothing happened, some guys have it. Most don't, Brian. Most guys don't have that in them. We see it week in and week out, game in and game out. He does. He does. He responds after that first quarter. He goes 19 for 23 with 314 yards and four touchdowns, scoring 30-plus points for the 13th time in 18 games. Yeah. I mean, what else do you want? So now, and I apologize if you already mentioned the stat because you you gave a bunch of really good ones. He has three-plus TDs and 140 rating in four games this season. Brady and Rodgers are the only two QBs to do so in a season, and he's only uh, the the only QB with five such games in his first two seasons. Kurt Warner has three. He has, in the top eight passer rating games this year, Purdy's got four of them. (laughs) <laughs> you got four of them. It's insane. And to think that there are a large number of people who who don't want to recognize that. And I think some just have a take and they just want to stick with it for attention. This is what I said two months ago. So I'm going to keep saying it. I was I said he wasn't it when he had that rough stretch. So I'm just going to keep saying it. But I yeah. think there is there, there's that group of people. And this really pisses me off just in terms of how we look at football now. Some of these guys who have big voices, you know, on the ringer or whatever else, guys like Steven Ruiz, who, who ranks mm-hmm. Brock Purdy the 20th best quarterback. Why? How, how, how do you even rationalize that? Because he has good players around him? Because you watched a film and you were like, oh, you know, he, he could have thrown that ball a little harder. Like, I don't understand what they're even looking at. Yeah. So the tweet from Solak pissed me off. Because for me, it was like, all right, even if you don't think he's MVP for whatever nerd metrics you look at, even if you don't think that, how do you not, how do you not look at that game and be like, wow, credit to that dude. This isn't a 33-year-old veteran. He is 23 years old. He's a second-year quarterback. Second-year quarterbacks don't do this. They don't do it. What's happening is an amazing story. He leads leads the league in QBR. He leads the league in yards per attempt, rating, completions. He has 23 touchdown passes. He's on pace for 4,500 yards. He only has six interceptions. How the hell is that not in the MVP conversation? Why is that weird? Why are you ready for that discourse? Those are MVP numbers. Just give him credit where credit is deserved. He wasn't supposed to happen. This guy was not supposed to happen. This is one of the best QB stories in the history of the game. Why not just say, wow, man, this guy deserves so much credit for what he's doing instead of being snarky and being like, oh, well, he's not the MVP. He's he's not Justin Herbert. I mean, the, the nerds <laughs> love Justin Herbert. They do Justin Herbert is hypothetically the best quarterback of all time. That Stephen right. Ruiz guy ranks him third. Why? 
-hmm. What has Justin Herbert done to be ranked the third best quarterback in the NFL? Because he looks good doing it? Because he looks good overthrowing people? Because he looks good throwing into double coverage? I'm not saying, look, Herbert's really good. I'm not saying he's not. But he, he has had a very mediocre sort of results in his career and I've watched him play a ton of games this year and he, he he doesn't always play super well he's had some amazing games and some games where he's where he's stunk but he can yeah. do no wrong in some people's eyes because he's physically talented I don't care how physically talented you are I care about results on the field like this past week if you watched any of Herbert play he struggled in the rain against the two and nine Patriots team so the people will be like oh well it was in the rain okay like when Brock Purdy struggled in the rain against one of the best D's in the league at home in Cleveland, Cleveland's D at home is outstanding. But Purdy is 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 suspect for some reason for doing that. And they'll say, but Al, did you see Quentin Johnson drop that pass? Yeah, did you see Brandon Ayuk, who's phenomenal? I love Brandon Ayuk, drop his passes in Cleveland? <laughs> because it happens in the rain. People drop yeah. passes. Quarterbacks have to address. It happens. And then they say, well, Al, what if Justin Herbert was in Kyle Shanahan's offense? Oh, I don't know. Would he lead the league in QB rating, in yards per attempt, in completion <laughs> percentage? Would would the 49ers score 30 points every week? I guess my point, Brian, like they're both really good quarterbacks, right? Yeah. But every excuse yeah. in the book is made for Herbert because he looks good physically, while Purdy literally has to fucking levitate, spin around, and throw a 40 yard <laughs> bomb off his back foot to get any credit from these people whatsoever. Whatsoever. What about yeah. throwing with anticipation? What about Moxie? What about intangibles? Yeah. What about leadership? What about being calm and overcoming adversities? When when you play quarterback, you are you have about two and a half seconds to decide what you're going to do while four or five 300-pound men come and try to kill you. That is quarterback in the NFL. You don't sit there at your computer and have five minutes to look at a route in an all-22 when you never played in the NFL. You never saw that speed. Saying, oh, well, right. you know, after I've been looking at this for three minutes, if he just turns his head to the left, you'll see that this guy's running a drag. Terrible decision. I'm going to knock him for that. He had two and a half seconds to figure out what he was going to do. You did not play the position at this level. Like, give me a break. Results matter. And I'm just tired of reading the shit from these people who – I will literally see Kurt Warner post something. Kurt Warner, who's a Hall of Fame quarterback, who played yeah. – he played in the NFL at a very, very high level. And people are arguing with him. Because why? Because you're sitting at your computer at home and looking at something? You have no fucking idea what you're talking about. And some of these people get paid good money and have a voice. And I guess we have a voice too, and we're using mm -hmm. it right now because it's bullshit. Enough. The guy's yeah. been fantastic. It's a great story. I'm so sick of the nitpicking. I'm so sick of the, oh, well, we got to watch the film and uh, compare him to Justin Herbert and all this other stuff. Like, Give me a break. Yeah, he's not as physically gifted as Justin Herbert. Joe Montana was not as physically gifted as Dan Marino arm-wise. He was not as physically gifted as a Randall Cunningham. You know what I mean? Like, but he yeah. was perfect for the system he ran in. He had moxie and intangibles. He was clutch. He had all those things. Made him arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. So I'm just tired of it. It pissed me off. That's my little rant for today. Yeah. I, I just well, had to get it off my chest, man. Yeah. And and like the the discourse around this idea where it's like, well, we can't give Purdy credit because he plays for Kyle Shanahan and he has Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and, you know. And it's like, I get that. I understand that. Who did Patrick Mahomes have when he won MVP, right? Last year, kudos to to, to him, right? Because he did not have the weapons that, that he normally did. But when he won it before, who did he have? He had Tyreek Hill. He had, he had Travis Kelsey, right? He had, you know, he had Andy Reid. 
right? Yeah. Joe Montana. Joe Montana had Bill Walsh, but he also had Roger Craig and Jerry Rice and, and John Taylor and, and Brent John Jones Taylor and, and Brent, yep. right? Like we don't discredit those guys for the weapons that they have and the coaches that they have. Why are we doing that for Brock Purdy? Is it because he was the last pick in the draft and we look like dumbasses because nobody could have predicted that he would succeed at this level in the NFL? And that's really, to me, all it is because even Philly fans, right? If Philly fans want to want to argue for Jalen Hurts, that's fine. And if Philly, if the Philly fans' argument is, well, Brock Purdy has Debo has all the weapons, you know what your argument is? Your argument is that the 49ers have better weapons than the Eagles. You are admitting that. You are admitting mm -hmm. that your team is not as talented. Is that really the route that you want to go? Are we and 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 then you look at it and you say, all right. So who are the 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 three leaders right now for MVP? It's Brock Purdy, uh, it's Dak Prescott, and it's Jalen Hurts. Have they all played each other? Yes, they have. What has happened? Brock Purdy's yes, team kicking. has kicked the absolute shit out of those two guys' teams both times, 42 to 10 and 42 to 19. So again, what are we arguing here? That's what it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And ultimately. I, I honestly genuinely believe that it comes down to the idea that a seventh round last pick of the draft quarterback shouldn't be able to do these things. And because he is, that makes everybody else look like a dumbass and they can't handle that. And it's like, eventually that that status is going to go away like it did for Tom Brady, especially if he continues to play the way that he's played. And you cannot tell me on December 4th, 2023, that Brock Purdy has no business being in the MVP conversation because he absolutely does unequivocally based on how he's played the numbers that he's put up and what this team looks like with him versus what it looked like with the other guys that have been in this system with those same players, including Christian McCaffrey. It didn't look like this with Jimmy Garoppolo when Christian McCaffrey came. It didn't. So miss me with any other excuse, argument, whatever. Go argue with a wall. Brock Purdy is firmly entrenched in the MVP discussion. Point blank, period. Let's move on. And what I wanted to move on to is a little bit more of just an idea of how good this 49ers team has been this season. Uh, Aaron Schatz, who developed the DVOA metric, uh, tweeted this out this morning. Uh, through 12 games, again, just like the, uh, the yards per attempt metric that we were looking at, through 12 games, this 49ers team has the eighth highest overall DVA mark uh, since 1981. They trail only the 2007 New England Patriots, who were number one. Their overall DVA was 59.9%. It's absurd. It's absurd, right? And, and again, DVOA is, is an advanced metric analytic, right? It measures efficiency. It measures all of that. And, and it takes into account, overall DVA takes into account DVOA for offense, defense, and special teams. Number one, New England, 12-0 and 0, uh, after 12 games 59.9 percent dvoa 
Number two is the 1985 Chicago Bears. Number three is the 1998 Denver Broncos. Number four is the 1991 Washington Redskins at the time. Uh, five, 1995 Dallas Cowboys. Six, 2018 Kansas City Chiefs. Seven, 2004 Philadelphia Eagles. And then eight is the 2023 uh, San Francisco 49ers at 42.9%. Of those teams above them, all of them won the Super Bowl except for that 2007 New England Patriots team and then the 2018 Chiefs and the 2004 Eagles. Both those teams, uh, the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs lost that year in the conference championship game, and the 2004 Eagles lost uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, I can't remember who they played, but uh, yeah. So again, eighth highest since 1981. Pretty impressive. The other thing that I thought was really impressive when the 49ers have Trent Williams and Debo Samuel start and finish a game, they're undefeated this season. They're eight. No, they are averaging 37.6 points per game. They've scored 301 points in the eight games that Trent Williams and Debo Samuel have started and finished. And they've given up. 117 points for 14.6 points per game. They are beating their opponents by an average of 23 points. And their point differential is plus 184. And if the season ended today, the 2023 49ers would have the highest success rate of any offense in the last 10 years. Success rate is an is a metric that adds a layer of context to give it any given play by taking into account the down and distance to go. So success rate is calculated in this manner. A play is successful for an offense when it gains at least 40% of yards to go on first down, 60% of yards to go on second down, and 100% of yards to go on third or fourth down. And so your success rate is the number of successful plays divided by the number of plays total the 49ers have a 53.5 success rate wow passing is 54.6 rushing is 52.5 over half of their plays are gaining either 60 percent of what you need on first down 40 or sorry 40 percent of what you need on first down 60 percent of what you need on second down or a hundred percent of what you need on third or fourth down this team is incredible, and that doesn't even take into account defensive success rate, which they have. They are pretty high as well. Um, and then the last one that I thought was was incredible is the 49ers have played the Cowboys, Jaguars, and Eagles. Cowboys are nine and three. Jaguars are eight and three. Eagles are ten and two. They have beaten those three teams by a combined score of 118 to 32. Just it's insane. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. Absurd. And yesterday, to, Sunday, I should say to me, I thought the Eagles were up there with talent for them. Now, Eagles do have some weak spots, linebacker, yeah. secondary, but but Eagles yeah. are a really talented football team. So I thought this was going to be a really, really big test for them, going on the road against a team that's that good in the trenches. Thought they were going to win the game, but I didn't think it was going to be like that. Didn't think it was going to be a complete ass kicking. And like you just mentioned, the teams that they play who are all going to be in the playoffs, we're all probably going to make deep runs in the playoffs. 
they're absolutely destroying them right now. And it's hard mm-hmm. not to look at the 49ers and think this team is just kind of destined this year. I don't know what the hell happened in that three game stretch. I don't know if it was the injuries. I don't know if it was just at, at this point, you have to think it was right. You have to think yeah, maybe it was missing Ebo and, and Trent. And, and just maybe you get into a slump. Things happen, right? The the Cleveland game was fluky in the rain. They should have won anyway if Moody mm-hmm. hits that kick. Kirk Cousins played out of his mind in the game they lost to the Vikings. And still, yeah. they had a chance there at the end. And Cincinnati is also ridiculously talented. And, and the Niners weren't playing well at the time. They were injured. And Burrow, Burrow is one of the best QBs in the league when he's healthy. That happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what we've seen since then and before then it's it's just utter dominance and you look at the weapons they have and i thought yesterday w- was awesome because debo has talked a lot of shit right he hasn't backed <laughs> off it he's talked a lot of shit he's continually talked shit he doesn't care he showed up yesterday that was 2021 debo samuel yesterday four catches for 116 yards and, and two touchdowns and then three carries for 22 yards and a score. And he just looked like he was shot out of a cannon on some of those plays. Actually, all three of the touchdowns, he looked like he was yeah. shot out of a cannon. He came out with something to prove. When he plays like that, <laughs> and you mix in George Kittle, four for 68, Brandon Ayuk, five for five for 46, and, and a touchdown for Ayuk. And then you throw in Christian McCaffrey, who, again, didn't have a yard after a quarter and ends up with 93 yards rushing and a touchdown and, and another 40 yards receiving to boot. They're just so – they can beat you in so many ways. They're so talented. Good luck. I don't care how good your defense is. Good luck when they have it all going. And you have Brock pulling the trigger, Brock behind there making good decisions, throwing the ball to these guys. It's just insane. If that offensive line holds up and can play the way that they did from the second quarter on yesterday, the Niners are impossible to stop. And then you mentioned on the defensive side of the ball. Again, the first couple drives, I'm like, what are we doing? Too much time getting beat up front and they just, they made an adjustment, man. And again, it's mm-hmm. the type of thing there too. The defensive line just has so much freaking talent. And then you're talking about Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw behind them. And now all of a sudden inserting Ambry Thomas into the lineup has completely changed the secondary, completely changed the secondary. Now you have Lenore inside Trevarius Ward, who made some really nice plays yesterday and the safety group too. You know, you know what? Now I haven't watched any, like gone back and really watched the defense closely. Like I haven't looked at all 22, but Jair Brown is coming in there and they're not missing a beat. Right. Yeah. So like yeah. all, all credits do again, I, I have to look and see exactly what he did or go back and, but they're not missing a beat. Clearly the secondary looks good. And from what I tell on my television, when Hertz is going back there and just staring at things, nobody's open. Yeah. Nobody's open. So they just did a hell of a job and this team is all coming together at the right time. This is, you know, the next, we're going to have five games left now. This is where you want your team to play well. This is when you want to look like this. If you want to have a slump in October, great, whatever, let it happen. <laughs> Cause now they, now they look phenomenal. Now they look like the team to beat, not just in the NFC, in the NFL. This looks like the best yeah. team in the NFL right now. When all things are clicking, I, I, I'm not trying to be a homer. Anybody who knows me knows sure. like, I'm not afraid to knock the team or say what I'm worried or anything like that. But when they're, everything's clicking right now, I do not see a team in the league that can beat them. No. And you know, the thing about this game is they went into Philly and curb stomped them. It wasn't, this wasn't Mm -hmm. at home. Right. And as it stands right now, you know, we said it in the preview, nothing changes with a 49ers victory. They are still the second seed in the NFC. The Eagles are still the first seed, but this is a psychological advantage in a big way for this team, because even if they have to go to Philly, they can go there knowing, 
look, it's not a big deal. We kicked the shit out of them the last time we right. went to Philly. We're, what do we have to be worried about? And, you know, I, I think I want to, I, I want to, obviously Kyle Shanahan and the offense deserve their flowers. They put up 42 on an Eagles defense, but let's be honest that Eagles defense, like I said, in the preview is the definition of mid right now. They are ranked 17th in mm -hmm. DVOA. They haven't been as good as they were last year. The entire Eagles team isn't as good as they were last year, but that Eagles offense is largely the same. Or you could say it's better with their upgrade of DeAndre Swift, and they couldn't run the ball to save their lives. No. Jalen Hurts threw 48 times in this game. And what I want to do is, is I want to give my flowers to Steve Wilkes because the first two possessions that the Eagles had, obviously they, they marched down the field, but they tightened it up in the red zone. They held them to two field goals, and I think that made all the difference in the game. And then – the 49ers on their third drive march down the field, score a touchdown. All of a sudden, not only did they even it up, they took the lead seven to six, right? So, hey, by the way, Brock Purdy, comeback victory, right? Down six, nothing, came back, pulled out the dub, 42 to 19. <laughs> yep. But but one of the things that I thought was, was awesome to see is I genuinely believe that this is likely the best 49ers defensive performance against a mobile quarterback that I have seen since Kyle Shanahan has arrived in San Francisco. That's a and great I attribute point. that it's a great I attribute. Point. I attribute that to Steve Wilkes and the game plan he put together, because if you, if you go back and you watch that game, you would, you will see Jalen hurts unmolested in the pocket, but what he isn't doing is breaking the pocket because the 49ers defensive ends maintained their edge and did not allow escape routes for Hertz. Did they get Hertz down a handful of times, mm -hmm. but more importantly, they didn't let him get out of the pocket and they forced Jalen Hertz to play quarterback and he was not able to do so. Not only that, but Steve Wilkes also had the balls to go man to man and not only did he go man to man, but they were, they, those 49ers outside corners were on, they were on the, the Eagles receivers. They were pressing at the line of scrimmage. They were not giving them cushion and it made all the difference in the world because when you see Hertz just standing there three, four seconds out throwing the ball, it's because he has nowhere to go. And so Kudos to Steve Wilkes for putting together that game plan or the, the entire 49ers coaching staff, if you will. I'm sure they all had a hand in it, but this was by far and away the best performance against a running quarterback that I've seen from this defense. And it gives me a lot of uh, hope for that, that Christmas game against the Ravens mm -hmm. that they might be able to not get murdered by Lamar Jackson's legs. Now, Elliot Shore Parks, who we had on the show last week, and I think he pissed, pissed a lot of our listeners off. He certainly of the did. He, uh, yeah, they weren't too happy with his, his tone, I guess, with some of the things that he said. But he tweeted after the game or whenever after the game ended, the thing I keep coming back to with this loss is the Eagles didn't play, didn't play that bad or different than they normally do. They didn't turn it over four times. They didn't miss wide open receivers. They didn't drop passes. 
they just got straight up beat badly. And that's coming from somebody who all of you said is a huge Eagles homer. He's admitting yeah. right there. They just got their asses handed to them. Pro Football Focus credited the 49ers with 46 pressures. That is insane. <laughs> I don't know how you can even come up with that number. That is oh insane. I, I that's know there were times drawback. When, that's 48 drawbacks. So 46 pressures nuts. on 48 dropbacks. And they certainly weren't pressuring him that much in the first quarter. So after that, no. holy shit. And I know a lot of it hurts held the ball. I, I get that. But still, like you said, the Niners were done. The Niners were covering and they were eventually getting to him. It was just an unbelievable ass kicking. I saw a stat too from Elias Sports. Uh, the 23 point road win in Philadelphia is the largest victory margin since the 1970 merger merger against a team with the outright best record in the NFL, at least 10 games <laughs> in the season. Outstanding. It's just an absolutely that's insane a, what they did. That's a good one. Yeah, it's 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 I mean, you can keep looking at all these different stats, all these different numbers, whether it's it's for individual players, whether it's for the team, and it's just the same thing over and over again. That it's just it's it's so damn so damn impressive what they're doing. Now, they have to keep it up, but right now, like I said, I, I don't I don't see any team right now that can hang with the Niners if they're playing the way that they have lately. And I wanted to give a shout out to Christian McCaffrey too, because I saw a quote and I hadn't seen this, but Kyle Shanahan, I don't know when he said it. He said basically Christian McCaffrey is a walk-on player in an all-pros body, meaning his work ethic is like of somebody mm. who doesn't have a spot, you know, just has to earn mm -hmm. everything. And Peter King, who is going to be on our show tomorrow. Yeah, um, yes. Really excited about that. Had something in his column today that Sunday was his 25th game in the Niners. He's given the Niners 2,920 total yards and 30 touchdowns. Just 30. been absolutely all-pro level stuff. Again, just another person, when you look at it, like his stats are just insane. His stats are insane. Purdy's stats are insane. This defense is coming together insane. It's a different receiver every week. It's a Kittle game or it's an Ayuk game or it's a Debo game. Just pick your poison with, with the squad right now. And it's it, it feels good for all the worrying we did about a month ago. And it was warranted because sure. there were some issues. This team has come back after the bye. They looked themselves in the mirror and, and have just put themselves to the elite of the elite the league. You know, and 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 we talked about what this team looks like with Trent Williams and Debo on the field and what it looks like without, you know, and and again, I, I talked about what, you know, how many points they've scored again in the eight games that they've had both from start to finish. The lowest point total is 27, right? So they've scored 30 or more in every game that those two have played except for one. And that mm. one game was 27, which is nothing to sneeze at in the NFL. And it just goes to show like neither one of those guys would ever win an MVP unless they put up unless Debo put up insane, insane numbers as a well, he would have to be putting up Tyreek Hill numbers, who yeah. is is probably along with Christian McCaffrey, the only two non quarterbacks that should even be mentioned in, in MVP conversations. And and you could argue that maybe they should be mentioned higher than any quarterback this year, just based on what the quarterback play has looked like, although again. That's no shade to Brock Purdy, who, again, I think is a, is a legitimate MVP candidate. Mm -hmm. But what's wild is if Purdy wins the MVP, Christian McCaffrey could end up without any award because if Purdy wins the MVP, I would assume Tyreek Hill would win Offensive Player of the Year, and rightfully so. If you look at what Tyreek Hill is doing in, in Miami, it's unreal. It's unreal. He's likely going to put up the first 2,000-yard season in, in NFL history for a wide receiver. He needs 500 and change, and he has five games left to do it. So, out, barring injury, I would assume he will. 
and then he'll just yeah. continue to add touchdowns. But again, you look at Christian McCaffrey and the the Eagles made it a point on their defensive game plan that Christian McCaffrey wasn't going to beat them. And the amount of gravity they gave to Christian McCaffrey allowed a lot of what we saw in the middle of the field uh, with Juwan Jennings, with Debo Samuel, with guys like that. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, that that third down catch that that Jennings made, the only reason he was open is because the uh, the middle defender, the robber in a cover one, uh, his his role was to double Christian McCaffrey. And the minute that he went to Christian McCaffrey is when Purdy went to to Jennings. And you know, congratulations to Jawan Jennings who who left Philadelphia with a son uh, by the name of Eli Ricks after that touchdown where he just threw him onto the sideline and said, get the hell out of my way. I'm scoring a touchdown here. Um, But, and that's the thing is like, you look at, you look at the guys that they have. And, and one of the things that I loved is Trent Williams, Trent Williams was asked about uh, Debo Samuel and essentially what he said, or no, was it Nick? It was either Nick Bosa or Trent Williams. I can't remember who one of the two was asked about Debo Samuel. And essentially they were like, Debo Samuel is the definition of unselfish, right? Like he's a guy that got paid and, and when you get paid, you want to, you want to prove that you were worth what you got paid. And yet he doesn't complain. He doesn't do, he does what is asked of him. And then in, when the lights are the brightest, Debo Samuel says, get on my back. I will carry us. And that's what he did yesterday. He stood on business, all 10 toes and said, I meant what I said. And I said what I meant. And we beat your ass 42 to 19. And if we had Brock in the championship game, the results likely would have been very similar. So kudos to kudos to the team for talking that shit and not only backing it up, but just unequivocally showing that that team in Philadelphia is not in the same class as, as San Francisco when healthy. And uh, that's not even, that's not shade. That's just, being realistic if if we're being perfectly honest yeah and you look at the, you look at the production they put up on offense and i guess i didn't realize this the defense has only given up or the team has only given up more than 19 points in three games this season mm-hmm. they eight games with 19 points or less i mean how are you going to beat a team that scores 30 every game when you can't pick 20 against them the yep. vikings for as well as they moved the ball only scored 22 the rams scored 23 in that Cincinnati game, which was a train wreck. They got 31. But again, those happen over the course of the season. But you're just looking at a team that, again, is firing on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. A lot of credit to – and I'm going to ask Peter King about this tomorrow, so I don't want to get too into it today. But mm-hmm. what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done to get this roster where it is, to get this coaching staff where it is, that there's three head coaches right now coaching legal around the staff. There's There's mm-hmm. – front office guys who are running teams elsewhere. They've just built this factory of just production and just elite eliteness. That's even a word at every mm-hmm. level at the front office, of the coaching staff. Yeah. They've made their mistakes. Trey Lance was a, the Trey Lance trade was a huge blunder, but when you're so good at everything else, you can yeah. almost, they, they brushed it under the rug. Mm-hmm. They traded three first round picks or whatever you want to call it. Multiple first round picks to move up to number three, to draft a QB of the future, got rid of him within three years, and it got brushed under the rug. No other team can do that. That's how good they've been in every other facet, where they could say, like, yeah, we made this probably one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL, and it doesn't matter because we're still going out and kicking everybody's ass. 
right now, it doesn't matter. And if Brock is your quarterback and it looks that way, it doesn't matter. It's insane. So a lot of credit to them. And I wanted to ask Peter that tomorrow yeah. a little bit to, to talk because yeah, I know he'd spend time around them. Want to hear? Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and and not only not only are they able to brush it under the rug, but they're able to brush it under the rug because they drafted a guy better than him, right? It's not it's not that they it's not like the Jets where they could sweep Zach Wilson under the rug because they went and got Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, no, they they drafted. They drafted another guy with the last pick in the draft, saw something in him that they liked, and and then the rest has been, you know, magical history. But this you think yeah, Sal is gonna get fired? I do. I, I I genuinely do. And and earlier in the season, I was like, sweet, right? Like Bobby Sauls, come back home. But I I really have been impressed with what Steve Wilkes has done with this defense. And I I, I don't know. You know, I, I would imagine that that I don't know that Kyle Shanahan would would blow it up again just to because Sala is available. Um, I would imagine Sala would probably find a defensive coordinator position somewhere else. Yeah. Or if he doesn't want to do that, he could come back to the 49ers, be their linebackers coach or whatever, and then, you know, take over for whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But but um, but I, like I said, I've after after this Eagles game, I've, I'm I'm fully on the. Steve Wilkes is doing a great job bandwagon because yeah, he, like I said, he deserves this. Yeah. Yeah. He's changed. The narrative. You know, yeah, for sure. And we, we joked about it, but it seems to have made all the difference in the world for him to be down on the sideline. And I, I can't, I don't know how to equate <laughs> that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I can't, did, I don't, huh? I don't know that there's a tangible reason why, but it's evident. <laughs> it's evident that, that it is going better. Um, the one thing that I thought was interesting uh, yesterday was I don't feel like I saw Chase Young as much as I anticipated I would and I tweeted out about it and you know there were people that were replying saying and I think most of them were commanders fans saying his knee is not you know his knee is still not right and and maybe that is the case I don't know and that scares me a little bit in terms of you know is this team gonna try and, and resign him or extend him or whatever but you know that's a that's an offseason situation um, but I, on, I mean, I legitimately, there's nothing I can point to this game that was a negative outside of the Dre Greenlaw situation. And honestly, two things, one fat Dom, as you called him, and I will continue to call him that Dom know. has no business. Dom, being, big Dom? I don't know. They call him big. They call him big Dom, but fat Dom, I like better because, but he has no business a being in the paint, right? No business being there. Or two, putting his hands on a player. No business. And mm -hmm. I genuinely mm -hmm. think the NFL is going to come down either on him or the Eagles or both. And we saw already this season a, a team photographer for the Dolphins who gave Tyreek Hill his cell phone for Tyreek Hill to, to do a touchdown celebration. He had, his, he had his sideline credentials revoked for the rest of the season. I don't see any reason why Dom, Fat Dom should not have the same punishment but two, I don't think there was anything wrong with the tackle that Dre Greenlaw made. I don't understand why that tackle was flagged in the first place. If you watch, right, if you elevate a player and slam him down, that's a penalty. But if you watch that, he has him around the waist and he rolls over and uh, Smith's foot, his left foot stays on the ground the whole time. It never leaves the ground. So not only should that not have been a penalty for the 
for the tackle, but there should have been some conversation about this dude initiated with our player. I mean, Kyle Shanahan was incensed, absolutely yeah, incensed he he been. during the game and after the game. It's like, I don't understand why a non-coach or a not is putting their hands on a player. Never should have happened. Dre Greenlaw, you got a reputation though. And you got to understand that, right? You are the Dre, Draymond Green, Dre Greenlaw, Draymond Green. You are the Draymond Green of the San Francisco 49ers. You've got a, you've got a reputation. You got to figure out a way to, to kind of keep it, keep it cool. But I understand. And I appreciate it. Aziz Al Shire tweeted out during the game. If, if a non-coach put his hands on me, it would have, I would have reacted the same way. So I appreciated Aziz backing up his guy because again, that never, ever, ever should have happened. But to me, that's the only negative from this game. I don't think you can take any other negative away outside of apparently Ross Dwelly has a high ankle sprain. He'll be out a few weeks and Burford is still dealing with a, a bit of an injury. And so is Eric Armstead. I don't know that it'll keep Armstead out or Burford out, but uh, those are the only negatives to take away. It's, it was just, it was, it was, I said that the, I didn't, I thought it would be a close game. I didn't think it would be a blowout, but if it was a blowout, I thought it was far more likely that the 49ers would blow out the Eagles than the other way around. And Mm -hmm. I felt pretty vindicated. Yeah, it was awesome. All right. So tomorrow we're going to have Peter King on really excited. We're going to ask him, you know, about the Niners, about the NFC. It's going to be a fun interview. We're looking forward to talking to him. Until then, for Brian, I'm Al. Later. Niners on three. One, two, three. Twenty-four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 